Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is where we're going to kind of begin to really look at tonight. We won't get all of this done. It might take us two, three, four weeks to even get through this, this section. But tonight we're going to be dealing with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Paul says, and he, meaning God, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a lot here, and I, I cannot wait to get into it. Now, let me just tell you ahead of time, and you kind of heard me talk about that when I prayed just before we started recording here. This is one of the foremost passages that I use when I travel and teach churches about the principles of a God-centered church. When we get to principle five, when I'm teaching the principles, and we get to principle five, how God designed the church to do the work, not just the pastors, this is one of the main passages that I use. And I cannot wait to teach it. But I'm also excited about this format, because the level that I get to when I teach it at churches is pretty deep, yet I want to go deeper now, even than I have in the past to really take a look at some things here, because when we, if you're willing, you're going to see tonight, if, if God is able to help you see these things that we're going to take a look at, you're going to all of a sudden have things that have happened in your life in churches that you've been a part of all of a sudden make a whole lot more sense. Things that have bothered you, issues that have happened, struggles you've had with your pastors, church splits that have probably occurred because of some of the things we're going to talk about. Tonight, as we take a look at this passage and what Paul's really saying here and what God's intention was for the church and how he's designed leadership, when you start to really see what it really says and we contrast it to how what we've taken and made it say, a lot of things are going to make a lot more sense to you tonight. My prayer is, is that you'll be honestly excited about, you know what? This is doable, what, what, what he says here. And, and it hopefully set us free from some things we've expected the pastors to be that God never intended them to be. So we're going to go there. So as you see here, if you look closely, you'll see that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor teachers, etc., are gifts. Do you see that? Remember how we looked at before how he ascended and he gave gifts to men. And then he says this in verse 11, and he, God, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. The men that God has called to equip the church through the proclamation of the word are a gift to the church from Jesus. Now, that's kind of important because we have a tendency sometimes to have a spectator mentality where we sit back and try to judge whether or not I think that guy's good. Well, I like that guy better than that guy and all this kind of stuff. But I want you to understand that these people that have been called by God, not all are, these people that have been called by God and gifted by God to equip the church through the proclamation of the word. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastor teachers. We're going to get into all that tonight. These people are a gift of God to the church. 
and to the saints. You need to you need to understand that and keep that in mind. And maybe it might change how you look at these people. Now, that doesn't mean they're all there yet. Or they just like myself, all of us are still in the process of fanning into flame the gift that God's given us. We're all moving on to maturity, just like we're talking about. This is the most interesting thing is, is as God has used people like myself and others to equip people through the proclamation of the word. We're still in the process of being brought to the fullness of Christ ourselves, just like you are. So keep that in mind when you look at a young whippersnapper who's standing up there and saying, thus does the Lord, and he's doing things that you may not like. God actually intended this role and these roles as a gift to the church. Now, these that are listed here mainly have to do with the proclamation of the word and the preaching and the teaching of the word. Actually, you'll also notice, and we're going to just hit these quickly because we'll come back to them later on in our study. Paul lists other gifts in correspondence to other churches. So I'm gonna sh I just want to deal with those because there's something that God showed me that I'd never really seen before. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31 is another place where Paul lists some of the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 through 31 Look at what he says here. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will still show you a more excellent way. So here he lists some gifts as well. But he actually lists some here that he doesn't list in Ephesians. Keep that in mind and go with me to Romans chapter 12. Back up a book here to Romans chapter 12. And you'll see Paul list another gift as he speaks to the Christians in, in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, or parts, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them, if it's prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And here you see again, he lists some of these gifts that have been given to the church, these spiritual gifts that he's given to the people for the building up of the body. But if you look closely, this list is not exactly the same as the one we see in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, and nor is it exactly the same as the one we see in Ephesians 4. What I want you to see is, is this. None of these lists are exhaustive. Actually, if you did a study of Scripture, you'd find other gifts listed like one here and one there. In one place you'll see hospitality and different things. Paul's teaching here is not to give us, these are what all the gifts are. And actually, one thing that God began to open my eyes to that I had never really seen before in the concept of it, and I actually contacted my study guys that I have used, I used to help make sure that I'm staying scriptural. And I said, okay, I, God, God's showing me something here. And they said, you know what? I think you're dead on. Paul dealt with a certain set of gifts when he spoke to the church in Rome. He wrote about a different set of gifts when he spoke to the church in Corinth. And I started to realize the scripture says that God 
places the gifts in the body as he sees fit. Listen closely to what I'm saying here. We've had this mentality that God will give every local congregation all the gifts. I don't think the Bible teaches that. I believe that there are some gifts that you're going to see in the proclamation of the word. These gifts that we see in Ephesians 4, and we're going to come back to in a little bit, where the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, teachers. Because remember, the, the book of Ephesians was not written just to the church in Ephesus. Remember our introduction? It was written as a cyclical letter to be passed on. That's why we see that he doesn't deal with any specific issue in the church at Ephesus. He doesn't give any greeting to anybody in particular. And we see scripturally that the purpose of Ephesians was to be passed on to all others. So most likely when we deal with the spiritual list of gifts given to the church that we read about in Ephesus, most likely those will be given to all churches. But if he puts in the body as he sees fit, I think the scripture is saying that why he talks differently about a certain set of gifts when he's talking to Corinth is that that church was dealing with some things that maybe some other churches didn't have those gifts. And he never intended them to, at least at not at that time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this sticking in? I want you to stick with me here because this is kind of important. I started to realize then that I think what the scripture is teaching us is, is that God's intent for each local congregation will be revealed through the gifts that he's given just to that church. You see, we have a tendency in our churches to try to make all the churches alike. We try to compete with each other for similar ministries. Well, they've got those things and they've got so many kids coming. Well, we need to have a good children's program, too, so we can have that many kids. And we have thought that all along all the churches should have the similar gifts. I'm starting to realize I don't think the Bible teaches that. And actually, if you go and do a study of the churches in Revelation that he sent a message to in the seven churches, his message to each church was a little bit different as he dealt with what was going on there. And he says to Smyrna, you guys are going to have to suffer. He says to Philadelphia, I'm going to spare you from the hour of trial that's about to come on the world. His plan for the Smyrna church was different than his plan for the Philadelphia church. And what I want you to understand is in your local congregation, what we've had the tendency to do is say, well, we'd like to start this ministry. So let's start looking for people that have those gifts and bring them here so we can start the ministry. We're taking over the role of God. I say, why don't you just look at who has he brought? What are the gifts that they have? And just do those things that God has gifted you to do. If he intends for you to do other things down the road, he will send those people with those gifts. And we, you're going to see this now go into where we're going tonight in our study as we deal with the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastor teachers. Because I think in the same way as God sends different types of men to equip the church with the different types of gifting in the proclamation of the word, there's going to be seasons where he may send you an evangelist. And that's his intention for a while, or he may for a season send you a pastor teacher. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or he may season send you a prophet or so on. And we have this tendency to try to have it all be all all the time for every congregation. And let me say to you, take a deep breath. Stop trying to be like every other church and let God show you what he wants to do in your congregation through the gifts that he's already given you. Because he places the gifts in the body as he sees fit. You want to know what God's will is for you? Find out what your gift is. You want to know what God's will is for you, your, your church? Find out what gifts he's given to that church and just do that. One of the biggest things that really opened my eyes to helping me realize that was part of where God wanted us to be is when I had left in the Atlantic to go into this traveling ministry and we needed to find a local church. And it was God was showing us that it couldn't be where I was as much as we wanted to be because we love the folks there. But God was saying for what I'm trying to do there and what I'm trying to do in your life, I, when you need to move. We were in visiting. We ended up at First Merritt Island. 
And the pastor, he's not even the pastor there now, but the pastor was there at the time, stood up that one Sunday. I'm sitting up in the balcony. And he said this. He said, we're a big church and we can do a lot of stuff. But we've come to realize we're only going to do the things God wants us to do. And if there are other churches that are doing those things and you want us to do it, go to those churches because they're supposed to be doing it. We're only going to do what God wants us to do here. I sat there going, wow, I like the sound of that. And God began to show us that that's where he was wanting us to be. So, folks, let me just tell you, stop. One of the problems we give ourselves belly aches is we sit there and we think, well, we need more young people or we need more singles or we need more whatever. And we try to create the ministries. When the Bible says it's God who places in the body the gifts that he sees fit. Why don't you just see what has God gifted us? That'll show us where we are right now. Let's do what it is that he's asked us to do right now. And if he adds to it. Then he'll show us what that is as well. Does this make sense to you? Do you understand? By the way, does Paul talk about all this tongue stuff to other churches? We're going to come back to this. When we start getting into the section of the scripture, which we're not even going to come close to tonight, in Ephesians 4, where it talks about how the pastors are supposed to be equipping the body for the work of the ministry, and the body's supposed to be building each other up. When we get into all that, we're going to start dealing with specific gifts and how you fit in and how you could minister to the other people in the body. And we're going to deal with these lists. We're going to deal with 1 Corinthians. And you're going to find that actually when Paul was dealing with that church in Corinth, there was something else going on there at that time historically that make a whole lot of sense. It's called the Oracle of Delphi. Alexander the Great even went to consult in this. And a lot of that tongue stuff was kind of tied together with all that. But we don't see Paul talk about tongue stuff to the Roman church, does he? But we've just said, well, it says there, so it must be. I started to realize if God puts the gifts in the body as he sees fit, not every church is supposed to look like every other church. And each church should find out what is it God doing in our life right now. Let's just do that. Let's use the gifts God's given us. Let's minister in the way that he's equipped us. And then whatever he wants to do from there, he'll make that clear. And let's stop trying to be God and determine ahead of time what the ministries ought to be. Do you see it? With all that said, let's now go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Remember, like I already touched on. The church, the letter written to the church in Ephesus wasn't written just to Ephesus. We, as we talked about, it was written to all the churches in Asia Minor. And so what he says here is not just for the church at Ephesus. What he says here is also for all churches. And he only in the list of gifts that he deals with here, he deals with the four. And you say, Jim, isn't it five? I actually believe that it's four types of uh, proclaimers of the word of God. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. And the pastor teacher, I think pastor teacher and the syntax in the Greek are combined the way that it's kind of written. I see them as a combined thing. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So. God's gifted the church with different types of proclaimers of God's word. OK. And these were given to the church for the purpose of what? Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, over the years, though, we've missed what this passage is saying, and we've made two crucial errors when it comes to putting these verses into practice. And I'm going to spend my time tonight dealing with these two crucial errors that we've made in putting this passage into practice. Here's the first one. We have allowed a misplaced comma to cause us to ignore context and expect the preacher, teacher, or the pastors to do the work of the ministry. Let's be honest. Over the years in the church, if you were to ask most Christians today, whose job is it to build the body up? What would they say? The pastors. Someone need to be saved. Who do we call? The pastor. Someone sick. Who's supposed to go visit them? The pastor. 
We have allowed a misplaced comma in the text to cause us to expect the pastor to do the work of the ministry. Stick with me and I'll explain what I mean. When the original texts were written in the Hebrew and the Greek, there was no punctuation. If you were to find a Hebrew manuscript or a Greek manuscript, there's no commas and periods. There's no punctuation. But in the way in which they wrote the sentences, you can figure out where the comma should be, possibly in a period and so on. The King James translation is the only translation we had in English for the longest time. And there is a comma in the King James translation in this passage that doesn't belong. It was added and actually every other English translation since then, including the new King James, has taken that comma out, which totally changes the whole sentence. Listen to what it says in the King James. He gave us these four different types of men for the equipping of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edification of the body. Right? Anybody have a King James in front of them right now? You got a King James? Of course. All right, there we go. All right. We, yeah, I know you're proud, and we're now, now we can pray for you. All right, so <laughs> look at what it says. Tell me if this isn't true, though, Nikki. Tell me if this isn't true. It says, he gave us these four different types of men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, past okay. teachers, for the equipping of the saints, comma. No. In the King James, there is. It's the King James right here. Yeah, well, the King James has a comma. Yeah. Perfecting of the saints. Sorry, perfecting of the saints. Perfecting of the saints. Sorry, I say equipping. Words says it perfecting. Well, that's good that they took it out. You have a, you, do you have a new King James? Exactly. New King James. You have new King James. I have the King James, and it says for the work of the ministry, comma. Right. Comma after saints. Perfecting of the saints. Go ahead. You have it. It has a comma, right? Yeah, the King James translation. You, your King James doesn't have one. That's pretty good. It must be a new King James. No, it's not. Well, yeah. New King James does not have the comma. I'm glad you brought that out, Michael. Seriously, the King James translation says, perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edification of the body. In that sentence structure, the work of the ministry is whose, work, whose job? These men. He's given us these types of men for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edification of the body. And for the longest time, that was the only translation we had. And you can understand why the church would expect these men are supposed to do the work. And so over the years, we've just expected whoever the pastor was to do the work of the ministry. They're actually called our ministers. But the context, though, shows us that it's the body who's supposed to be building each other up. And like I said, actually, we've come to realize with the deeper understanding of Greek syntax and everything that the comma never should have put, been put there. And every other translation, including the New King James and even Niggy's interesting translation of, New, of the King James, <laughs> they've taken it out. You're still proving my point. They've taken it out because it never should have been there. Now listen to how it reads. He's given us these four different types of men for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Whose job is the work of the ministry now? The saints. It was never God's intention that if someone needed to be saved, you call the pastor. It was never God's intention that someone's sick, you call the pastor. God's intention was these pastors, and we're going to get into the fact that we, we use that term and we expect one guy to be all four when God never intended that either. We're going to blow that up tonight as well. But he, we, we just kind of assumed that these guys were supposed to do the work of the ministry. That was never God's intention. They're to be equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And by the way, look at the context. Go to verse 16. In every translation, the context shows in verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it what? 
builds itself up or edifies itself, is the bringing translation, in love. The context is all along said that the body was supposed to build itself up. The body's supposed to be ministering to the body. We're, our job is not to be the ones who come and do the work. Our job is to equip you through the teaching and the ministry of the word so that you would be able to go do the work. You would lead people to Jesus. You would go visit people. You would use the gifts God's given you to minister to the body. Our job is just to help you learn how to do it, see what the scripture says, make sure you're staying on the straight and narrow when it comes to the word of God and say, go do it. Go do it. And what we've done is Jesus, when he was on the earth, he says, it's not good right now. He says, it's good for you that I'm going away. See, because right now you got to stand in line to spend time with me, Jesus says. Zacchaeus has got to climb a tree to be able to see, see even see me. The woman with the issue of blood has got to push her way through a crowd to even be able to touch me. But when I go away, then I come back to you in the form of the Holy Spirit and you all be with me. There's no more waiting. Amen. And Jesus took it from a single model and he spread it all out and he gifted his church for the purpose of his glory. And so they would work together according to how God's gifted them to just do what it is they do. And God does awesome stuff. But what we have done over the years is we've taken it from the wide model and brought it back to the single model. You need to be saved? Call a pastor. You think you could be visited or looked after or ministered to? Call the pastor. That was never God's intention. So one of the errors we've made is we've allowed a misplaced comma to cause us to think that these guys are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry when the Bible all along had said the body's supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Yes. He's going to reward us. You're right. Now, let me just tell you, for the longest time, as I travel the country and I teach these principles to the church, all the principles that I teach people going, how come I've never seen that before? That's really cool. But when you get to this principle, this is where they have the biggest bellyache. I'll be honest with you, because let's just assume, let's just take it this way. Let's just say, for example, you have raised your kid from day one that they don't have to make their bed. You'll do it. They don't have to help with the dishes. You'll do it. They don't have to you know, mow the lawn. You'll take care of it. And that child gets to 40, 50, 60 years old. And then all of a sudden you sit down junior in the kitchen and you say, hang on for a second. We've just come to realize here there's a misplaced comma this is actually supposed to be your job how do you think junior's going to react they ain't going to like it and let me tell you what happened as i began to teach this some of you were there when god began to teach this had me teach this at indy atlantic and one after teaching this for a while at one sunday after the service was over two older ladies came up to me afterwards and it was right down front right over here and they and they, they said this they they came up they said pastor would you please forgive us and i said Sure, what for? They said, we shouldn't have expected you to always be at all our houses and come see us when we're having surgery and all these things. Would you please forgive us? And I said, ladies, it's forgiven. And then they kind of leaned in, looked around and said, but you're going to come still see us, right? <laughs> it's hard for us to break from this because it's how it's always been. Our first thought is, I need the pastor. Yeah. What is Psalm 23? How does it start? The Lord is my pastor, Right? Shepherd, that's when you see it in here, shepherd. That's what the word pastor means. The Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. Over the years, we pastors, because of this misunderstanding, I'm just going to fill you in on a little secret. I've told some of you before, we have a rating scale for you. We don't ever tell you, but we will rate you in our minds as high maintenance, medium maintenance, and low maintenance. You know who the high maintenance people are? The people who think it's our job to take care of all their needs. 
You need to tell my neighbor about Jesus. Oh, you wouldn't believe how many times we hear that. Or how many times that I've got a child that's having some problems and you need to get him straightened out. You know who the low maintenance people are? Those are the people that the Lord is their shepherd. Man, those folks, are, man, you just let them go. Go do the work. Go do what they're gifted. And those are the people you just, man, just run. Go do it. If I can equip you in any way. What happened back in Acts chapter 6? Go there. Take a look real quick. Go to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Look closely at what happens here. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Let me just tell you now, if a pastor today were to say anything along this line, he would be fired, right? Most of the little churches today, they expect the pastor to unlock the doors and lock the doors and make sure the toilets aren't flushing anymore and the lights are out. And I was at this one church and my microphone needed a new battery. And I went to the guy in the sound booth and said, can I have a new battery? They said, we got to find the pastor. He's the only one who knows where they are. I was at, I'm not going to name a church, but it's pretty close as pastor. And I was after church. It was after church. And I was in the back 40, and somebody fell in the front, and they left her there because they had to go find me to tell me someone had fallen. I had to do something. This mentality, folks, has been there for a long time. It's been ingrained in us, I hope, through the teaching and the preaching and the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, through the teaching of the Word of God. You come to understand God never intended the pastors to be the ministers. They are the equippers of the ministers. All right. Now, look at what they says. They said, therefore, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, when we, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. We're going to get into more about this in just a little bit. But most of our pastors today do not spend any more time in the word of God than your average good Sunday school teacher who's preparing for their Sunday school lesson because they've had so much other stuff added to their plate. And your churches write job descriptions for your pastor. Do they not? Of what you expect him to be and you measure against whether or not he's fulfilling his job description. According to the scriptures, the job description of the pastor is to preach and to teach and to pray and to study and to equip you through the feeding of the word and not get caught up in all this other stuff. And folks, it took a long time for me to grab, finally grasp this. And we didn't name the ministry just to preacher ministries for no reason. And even in just a preacher, you hand me money as a gift. Give it to Becky. I, I praise God. There are people that take care of that. There are people who take care of, Becky takes care of my schedule even for, for plane tickets and rental cars. She takes care of that. I study and I preach and I teach. The people take care of all the bills and everything. All that stuff's taken care of. All the tax paperwork and all that stuff that has to be done and all this. Guess what? I haven't done any of it. I've been set free. And I want you to be set free. I don't want you to set your pastor free. But now we need to move to the second era though. Yeah. <laughs> We need, to, we need to move to the second area. And let me just say real quick as an aside in this passage here, we've also done the exact same thing to the deacons. Yeah. 
See, because in this passage, the, the apostles said, look, let's hand this responsibility over to them. And now we just assume if you're a deacon, you're supposed to take care of all these things. And, uh, and all of a sudden we just start giving every, every deacon so many families and people start saying, I don't even know who my deacon is and all this kind of stuff. And we start doing things that were never intended by God as well. All that passage says is these deacons were going to be the res- given the responsibility of making sure that it's taken care of. That's all. It didn't say they were supposed to wait on the tables. It just said that they're now, because they are being brought into leadership maturity, they're now be able to handle this responsibility. So we can focus on what we're supposed to focus on. And the deacons are making sure the physical needs of the body are being taken care of. But it didn't say the deacons are supposed to do it. And how often have we said, well, the deacons weren't even here. Or the deacon this or the deacon that. Because we have these expectations of the deacon that God never intended either. So, Going back now to Ephesians 4, let me show you the second error that we've made. All right. The second error is, is we've missed the fact that God uses four different types of men slash gifts and have expected one man to exercise the gifts of four different people. Look closely what it says. I love how the NIV puts it. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Listen closely. Does he say that there's one person that's supposed to be all that? No. God's intention is that he would actually use a plurality of leadership in the church to equip the church through the different types of people that he's gifted in this way. Listen closely, though. When we as a church go looking for a pastor, tell me this isn't what happens. We take a survey of the congregation and we say, what would you like our new pastor to be? What would you like him to look like? Don't we do this? And someone says, well, I think he needs to be a powerful preacher of the word of God. So we put that down in our pastor profile. We're looking for a man of God who preaches the word of God with power. Someone else says, well, I think he also has to have a shepherd's heart and look after and care for us and and counsel. Oh, yes, we need a man who preaches the word with power who's also got a shepherd's heart. And well, he's he's got a gift of administration. I mean, he's going to be overseeing the office and make sure the copiers didn't take care of and all that kind of stuff. And well, yes, we want a man of God who preaches the word with power, who's got a shepherd's heart, who has the gift of administration. Well, shouldn't he also be an evangelist? I mean, shouldn't he have a heart for leading people to Jesus Christ? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, we, 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 we see that. And so we're looking for and we finally put together from putting together everybody's personal preference as to what they're wanting in the pastor. We put together this profile of a superman that God never intended and we list all the gifts. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the problem though is us. Part of the problem is is we pastors show up at the interview with these search committees. We look at this pastor profile that God never intended for one man and we say, "I'm your guy." And they say, "Good." Because the last bum sure wasn't. Tell me this isn't what happens to us. We'll have a pastor. He'll look good for about a year, year and a half. But then after a while, we'll start to say he's strong in these areas, but he's weak in these areas. Haven't you ever noticed that? Tell me this isn't what happens in your churches. I love the fact that I'm just teaching a Bible study from people of all different churches. We're not dealing with just one. Tell me this isn't what happens, though. Typically, whenever a pastor moves on, And you go through the process of bringing in another pastor. The one that comes in behind typically has the gifts the previous guy didn't have. Because all of a sudden you'll be hearing, if your man's a prophet, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. If your man's a prophet, you're going to hear things like, man, I never heard preaching so good as I ever had in this guy. and, And I've never learned as much as I've learned. But he just doesn't visit enough. He's not approachable. He doesn't listen. And after a while, because of the grumbling... He may move on or God just may move him. God does that stuff, you know. 
and you'll bring in a new guy, and he'll have the gifts the previous guy didn't have. He may be a pastor teacher. And he'll look good for about a year, year and a half, because he's burning the candle at both ends, kissing all the babies, shaking all the hands, and he's trying to be everything to everybody. And then after a while, you're going to hear this. I love brother so-and-so. He was there when mama died, and he's a wonderful man. Oh, and he listens. I'm just not getting fed. Because we have expected one person to be all four, and God never, ever, ever intended one person to be all four. Let me ask you a question. Who was the pastor of the church in Philippi? You don't know. Good for you. Who was the pastor of the church in Colossae? You don't know. Who was the pastor of the church in Corinth? You don't know. You know why? Because there never was one pastor of a church. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. Go to Acts 13. Let me show you. Acts chapter 13. It said, look at verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch, what? Prophets. prophets and what? Teachers. Teachers. Does it say who the pastor was of that church? No. no, there was a group of leadership. There's always been God's design of elder leadership, a group of men who are spiritually mature and gifted in these areas. And remember how it says that the qualification of an elder must be able to teach? But some are apostles. Some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastor teachers. God has given us four different types of men as gifts to the church for the equipping of the church for the work of the ministry. The problem is we have hired one guy and expected him to be all of the others as well. Oh, but no, we have associate pastors. Well, you know what? That may be the case. Your church may be big enough that you have associate pastor or minister of youth or minister of this or minister of that. But tell me it isn't true. You still expect the senior pastor to do all the other, to be all the other stuff. I, did, I had the privilege of doing a pastor's conference about five, six years ago in Chicago. And I, it, was, it was a real intimate setting. I was flown up to just meet with 12 senior pastors from the area of Chicago, and they came to this one church, and for a whole Saturday, I taught them the principles of a God-centered church. And as we got to this principle, and we were dealing with how God never designed one person to do all, but he had four different types, I stopped everything, and I said, guys, let's just talk honestly. Tell me what you love in ministry. Tell me what you hate. Tell me what you feel called to do. Tell me what you don't feel called to do. The first guy spoke up. He had been pastor of the church for 18 years. He's actually now in South Carolina. But at the time, he had been pastor 18 years at this one church. This is what he said. He said, I'm not a pulpiteer. I'm not really the best preacher. I'm a teacher. And I love to study. And I, I could spend hours just digging into a passage. I could spend a month on one verse just teaching all the stuff that's there. I don't have much administrative ability. I just love study and I love to teach. The next guy goes, I love the crisis. Everybody looked at him like, what are you talking about? He said, if someone has just committed suicide, I want to be the first one there. He said, if a family has lost a child, I can sit on the couch for two hours with my arm around them and say nothing. I love the crisis. I want to be there when people are going through crisis. Let me be there. The next guy says, I hate the crisis. He said, let me just tell you, I'm a preacher. And when someone's going through crisis like that, there's nothing you can say at that moment. If someone's just died, there's no words. They're in shock. Don't put me on that couch with that family that's just lost the baby because I'm gifted to just speak and there ain't no speaking you can do right then that'll help. He said, let me go cut their grass. 
Let me go hide in the back and clean a bedroom or something. Don't put me on that couch. And as I went around the room with 12 different guys with the title senior pastor, the problem was that they were all expected to be all that. And no two of the guys had the exact same gift mix. None of them did. It was an interesting thing. So, folks, if we're going to be faithful to the study of Scripture and not just say, well, we went through Ephesians, but to really apply these things, as you go back to your local congregations, begin to understand that God, you may think, well, our guy's good at this, but he's really bad at that. Well, guess what? Now you're starting to find out what he is and how, what a kind of a gift he is to the church and what God expects him to be using his gifts in that way. And as God's going to raise up other leadership, because, well, let's deal with it. Let's look at these terms. Look at these titles. The first one is apostle. All right. Now, there are capital A apostles and there are small a apostles. I'm going to real quick show you what the capital A apostles are, and then I'm going to show you how they don't exist anymore. Okay? Um, go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, and look at verses 13 through 19. In Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13. It says, and he, meaning Jesus, went up on a mountain and he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And he appointed the 12 and then he listed the 12. Listen to the names. Simon to whom he gave the name, gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that means sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Okay, keep that in mind. There were 12, remember there are always more than just these who are with Jesus. There are always more disciples, but there were 12 that he designated after spending time in prayer. He came down and he designated 12 of them to be apostles. Okay? It doesn't say that, by the way. What's that? It doesn't say, um, your translation actually used the word apostle. Mm hmm well, okay. What translation do you have that's not saying the word apostle? New King James. New King James. Okay. Well, again, if you look here and you'll see it, there are the 12 apostles. It has everything else. Everything else, right. It yep. Say okay. That's fine. Yep. Now, keep, well, part of that reason is, is that the manuscripts that were translated into the King James and the New King James is a different set of manuscripts that were translated into the other translations. So, chances are the pile of manuscripts that they translated from to do that doesn't have the word. Okay. Now, keep that, go to Acts chapter 1, though. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. This is in the upper room now, uh, after Jesus has already ascended to the Father. And they're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. In verse 15 of chapter 1, In those days Peter stood up among the brothers, and the company of persons was in all about 120, and he said, Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that field was called in their 
their own language, Ekeldamo, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp be desert, desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take up his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in, out, in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, you, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship. Does it say apostleship there? Okay, do you feel better now? All right. <laughs> I'm messing with you, Sheila. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. And, this, and, and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So now we see Jesus had designated 12 to be apostles. And then Judas left. And he had to be replaced. And so now Matt, Matthias has been added to the 11. Go with me to Rome, Revelation chapter 21. In Revelation 21, look at verse 14. It's describing the new, the new Jerusalem. And it says in verse 14 of Revelation 21, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Okay? So, if you, we don't have time to turn to it, but there are other passages that talk about the marks of the apostle having been taught by Jesus face to face. Uh, the signs and the wonders that showed their apostolic authority at the beginning of the church age. That's the capital A apostles. And there are some that say with the age of the capital A apostles that dying off that we don't have apostles anymore. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. I believe that Paul's saying here, and I'm going to show you from Scripture why. I think that God still uses apostles, small a. Not the ones who have been taught by Jesus face to face, so the signs and the wonders evidencing their apostleship. But small a, because the word apostle actually means one sent, one sent on a mission. One has been given a, a responsibility and it's going to require travel as you go do what it is that God does you, have you do to go minister and equip the Word of God. So let me show you two places real quick. Go to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. In Acts 14, 1 through 4, uh, Paul and Barnabas are on their missionary journey. And listen to what it says. It says, Now at Iconium they entered together in the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some sided with who? The apostles. Hang on for a second. Who are the people being called apostles here? Paul and Barnabas. Are they in the list of the twelve? They're not in the list of the twelve. But the scripture calls them apostles. He calls himself an apostle. Actually, he actually meets the requirements of, he had been taught by Jesus face to face. The miracles did give evidence of his apostleship. But Barnabas is called an apostle here too. We're not sure that Barnabas ever met Jesus face to face. Let me give you another example of what we're talking about. Go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. You're going to see a use of this word apostle that Paul uses for himself. Romans chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. Paul says, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. 
I magnify my ministry in order that somehow I may make my fellow Jews jealous and save some of them. The same. Look at what he says. He says, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. He's, he's not using it in a capital A here at all. He's using it in the small a sense of, I have been sent by God to go speak to the Gentiles, to go preach to the Gentiles. I've been sent by God to go minister to the Gentiles. Oh, by the way, did you notice in that church in Antioch in Acts 13, um, there were prophets and teachers? And God said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I called them to. And then he sent them off and they began an apostolic type of ministry where they traveled let me just tell you, folks, some of the people that are going to be pastors of your churches are gifted by God to proclaim the word of God. But some are going to have an apostolic type of ministry where they're going to keep moving. If you want if you got an apostle gift to your church and you try to make him stay. Good luck. You're both going to be miserable. If you were to say to me, Jim. We'll give you a church. The deacons won't give you any trouble. You can just stay there 30 years. That would sound like jail to me, folks. And they lie. I, yeah, and they lie, too. That's a good point. <laughs> I have been wired by God to travel. My wife and kids will tell you, as it gets close to my next trip, I'm giddy. I'm like Christmas. I can't wait. Because I love travel to go proclaim and teach the word of God. Every church I'm at, I'll say, guys, I love you. And I can't wait to love the next people next week. That's just the way it is. Now, God had me pastor for a few years, 20 in total, to prepare me for this ministry. But all along, every place I was, the longest I stayed any place was five and a half years. And easily by that point, I was like, what's next? But people, if you expect your apostle type proclaimer of the word to stay... It's not going to work. You're starting to say, I saw you raise your hand. Yes. Um, the Apostles' Creed, mm -hmm. they say the apostolic church. A lot of people, I think, do not understand what, uh, and, you know, because we call it the Apostles' Creed, mm -hmm. and we're all called the Apostles, mm -hmm. but um, the apostolic and Catholic church, little c. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand exactly what that means. And it, it is saying what you're saying. We right. have a ministry to go into the world right. and to preach the but word. But there are going to be some that God, there are going to be some that God calls to stay exactly. in a place. And you. Be the union of the Catholic e church. Ex right? Exactly. In, yeah, in, in universal. When you use the word Catholic, you mean Catholic universal. universal. Yes, as universal church. Yeah, without question. And you're going to see as we get into all these terms, apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor, teacher, when we get to pastor and teacher, you're going to realize typically these are going to be the people that will stay for a long time. They'll have a ministry where they just want to be there 30, 30, 40 years. They've got the gifts of discipleship and they just like to walk people through things. These are the ones not always. Once in a while that does happen. Not always. They're going to be your best preachers. But they're going to be teachers and they're going to have a shepherd's heart. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And again, as you know, though, there were 12 apostles that the Bible's really clear and Revelation even shows it. Now, people argue it's, it's interesting. We Christians want to fight over every little thing. Some people try to figure out, well, is Paul the 12th? Is Paul's name going to be on the foundation or is it going to be Matthias? You know, because Paul said he was an apostle and who cares? Exactly. Who, who cares? Who cares? The Bible says there are going to be 12 names and 12 apostles on there. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And how that is like the devil's playground. Oh, it sure is. You know, we're, we're just like that. People don't understand, don't know. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll bicker. 
Exactly. And unfortunately, you know what we do when we argue over interpretation? All we're doing is showing off our flesh. Because we want to win the argument. You know what? I'm going to teach you what I believe the Word of God says. I want you to go be Bereans and you check everything I say against the Word of God. But let me just tell you, I've come to realize over the years that he gave some to be apostles. And you're going to have a pastor or a preacher in your church. And if he's in an apostle heart and gifting, he's not going to stay. And that's okay. Oh, well, we're not going to, I've heard so many churches say this, we're going to find a man that's going to be willing to be here again. And you're going to expect that one man to not only be there, you're going to expect him to be all four. And you're going to kill him. And he's going to neglect his family. And he's going to end up in whole sorts of messes because he's trying to be things that God never intended him to be. Yes, ma'am. That listen to that same person all the time. No, to want to go to you. When oh, I see what you're saying. And say, hey, I, you opened the word of God to me in such a way. When I have a question, I really want to go to you. And there's nothing wrong Sorry. with there, there's. Sorry. Oh, I see what you're saying. For, for the compassion, for the compassion. And I understand. And I'm glad you brought that up. Let me deal with that right now. Let me deal with that right now. Because tied into this, some are apostles and some are prophets. Let me just say prophecy in the Bible is something it's just simply preaching. But this is different type of preaching. This is a preaching. You ever, you, ever, you ever listen to somebody and go, that guy's more of a teacher than a preacher? You know what I'm talking about? Prophecy is one of the ones that really, pre they're more preachers. I'm able to teach, but let's be honest. You guys sit and listen to me preach most of the time. I try my hardest to ask questions, and I'm glad you guys raise your hands because you need to, or else I'll just preach through the whole hour we got here. But there are those who are gifted by God to be able to take the Word of God and to open it up in such a way that you hear God speak. But not just that. You know God's speaking to a specific issue right now. How many times have you walked out going, how did he know? He didn't know. That's the gift of prophecy in that sense. Now, at the same time, your natural reaction is, is to say, man, I want to go to that guy with my problems because he's got a close walk with the Lord. Let me just tell you something about being one of those guys. I don't put it on my business card, but I've come to realize over the years I'm apostle prophet in my gift mix. I'm not an evangelist. I don't have the heart of an evangelist. I'm not a pastor teacher. Oh, I've pastored over the years and I love people, but let me be honest with you. I took a spiritual gift test. I got a zero on mercy, <laughs> serious. And my wife will tell you, they scored me too high. <laughs> they scored me too, I'm not kidding you. It's been hard for me because my wife will tell you, what my dream is, my dream is to show up and preach the word of God and disappear. If I had my dream, my, my druthers, you know what days I loved in the ministry as a pastor? I loved Sundays and Wednesdays when I could preach and teach the Word of God. You know what days I hated? Sundays and Wednesdays because I had to deal with people as well. And it's hard for them to understand it because I share my love for you in proclaiming the Word. And you think, oh, what's Chip Ingram put it this way. He said, these are the ones that you'll go to a conference and they'll be standing up there in front of 10,000 people and they're gifted by God to connect with 10,000 people through the preaching of the Word of God. And everybody thinks, wow, what a guy, I would love. And then you end up on a flight on the way home. 
and you're sitting next to that same guy and you're thinking, yes, I get this guy one on one. And you're going to, by the end of that flight, think this guy's a jerk. <laughs> He's the most rude. He didn't even pay attention to me. He didn't even say hi. Let me just tell you, it's hard for us to try to be all those things. And I tried and I do love people. But like I told you, I can't wait to go to the next place because I've been wired by God in that way. Praise God for the, I don't remember who it was. I went to visit a hospital one time when I was pastor at Indy Atlantic and it was a part of my job. And I'll be honest with you, it was hard because you have to show compassion. <laughs> I'm a preacher. My, my, my method of counseling is cry a river, build a bridge, get over it. Here's what the word says, go do it. And people wanted to sit and have me walk them through things and I just wanted to tell you what the word says and just say go. I showed up at this one hospital visit and this person said, Pastor, would you do me a favor? And I said, what's that? They said, would you not come see me anymore? <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. Inside, I wanted to kiss them on the mouth. I, I didn't even care what they had. Inside, I was like, yes, please tell other people. And I, and I, I was like this, and I was like, why? And they said, well, you're not good at it. <laughs> They say, when other people come visit me, I feel blessed, I feel encouraged. It's just awkward when you're here. Would you just go do what you're supposed to do? Man, I wanted to parade this person all over town saying, please listen to this person. Stop making me do things that I'm not supposed to be doing. But you know, we got this mentality. I was talking to this one guy in this one church and I was sharing some of these things. And I just made this comment. I said, if I was ever to pastor again, and I don't believe that's God's intention for me, but if ever I was, it would take a total rewrite of the Constitution and bylaws and the pastor's job description to line up with what my gifts are and what I'm supposed to be doing. And this guy responded to me. He said, well, I tell my kids that in every job, there's 60% things we love and 40% we don't love, and that's just the way it is. And I said, that's the problem. You're trying to equate how things are in the secular world with how God designed the church to function. And God never said, I want you to do things that I didn't gift you to do. Ooh, well, and, and Jim, as, as the word is opened to us individually, it's our relationship. It's, it's the birth. Yes. When, when something is going on in my life that's a horizontal, whether it's, it's my health or relationship or whatever, because the word has been open to us, our first cling should not be going to the pastor. You're right. You know, it should not be going to another human being for counsel. First and foremost, we should be well, you know, going you, to the you're, word. You're quoting Ephesians 4. Go back to Ephesians 4 and listen again to this passage that we're using. And I'm going to wrap up with one last thing and then we're going we're gonna to call it a night. Please come back in two weeks because I can't wait to get to the rest of this. There's so much more here. But l listen again to this passage. Listen to what Sila just said in context with what just has happened. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd teachers, pastor teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building the body up, of, building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, keep listening, so that we may no longer be, be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning and craftiness and deceitful screams. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into who? Into Jesus, who into the head. If the person who's equipping you through the ministry of the word is telling you to come to them, that's not what it says. 
It says that I'm supposed to teach you how to go to Jesus. And if your first reaction is to come to me, my first reaction is to say, go to Jesus. It wouldn't be right for me to break away from what it is that I'm supposed to be doing to wait on your table. But we've got to break from this, folks, or else it's not going to be where we're supposed to be in the church. And some are going to be apostles, and some are going to be prophets, and some are going to be evangelists. Let me just say this real quick. If you've got an evangelist as your pastor, you're going to see people coming to know Jesus Christ. You're going to see people getting saved. But you're also going to hear this. I think the pastor cared more about me when I was lost. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and on that, let me just tell you what you're going to hear every Sunday. You're going to hear evangelistic sermons over and over and over. And you're going to say to this guy, hey, there's other parts of the Bible. That's why it's not supposed to be one guy. God's going to use a group of people to equip the church to the ministry. They're going to be those who are prophets. They're going to be those who are teachers. They're going to be those who are evangelists. They're going to be those who are. Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. You got it. You got it. And we call them in the carpet because they're not mentioning. Well, let me just put it to you this way. I got no problem with the idea of the senior pastor in this mindset. And again, this is another whole study for another time. God's designed the church to function in the same way he's designed the home. In the home, you got mom and dad. They're the elders. Elders. They're ultimately responsible for the direction of the family, right? Now, in a healthy family, you're going to ask the kids, where do you want to go on vacation? What would you like for dinner? But the kids don't get to vote, right? How many times have your kids say, hey, it's a democracy. Let's all vote. And you always said, hey, well, mom and dad's vote counts for five. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're going to get their, you're going to get their impression. But now, guess what? As they get older, and I love how you brought it up that one time when we were in the deacon training at Merritt Island. As you get older, you're going to give them more responsibility. Would you take your brother to, to practice? Would you help with dinner? They become deacons. They're not parents yet. You're equipping them for that. But in husband-wife relationship, God said that he's the head. Absolutely. Now, hopefully he doesn't pull that card out all the time and say, hey, you got to do whatever. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. And hopefully if it's working like it needs to, you never even have to even use that card. So I got no problem with a senior pastor as long as he understands that his role is like the head among the elders who are the, the parents. And he'll only pull that card out if he has to. You understand what I'm saying? So I, I'm OK with senior pastor as long as the church doesn't expect that guy to be everything. The senior pastor could be an evangelist. Your senior pastor could be a prophet. Your senior pastor could be probably not an apostle because he probably won't be sticking around. He could be a pastor teacher. But there's going to be that group of people that he's designed to equip the church. Yes, sir. Um, um, this, um, this, whole, this whole thing, everything we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit is just crying out to seek him. He's yes. a counselor. Yes. You know, you're not supposed to be here, you're going to be here. Yeah. If, you're, if you are, you're yeah. going to understand, you're going to get it. Like I say, please come back next two weeks from now when we meet in two weeks, because there's so much more. I want to stop because I want to be faithful to the hour time limit that we set. Mark, say what you're going to say real quick. Yes. 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 Yeah. Like I say, when people hear you, you think. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's I love everybody in this room. I'm not kidding. you. I'm so excited when you're here. I can't wait to see you. But if you noticed, I kind of disappear as soon as I'm done. 
I, I, as a pastor, I love, <laughs> I, as a pastor, I love church fellowships and watching people get together, but I'd always want to be in the corner. Just let it all go on without me. You love church potlucks. I do like that too. <laughs> yeah. And before we get anywhere out of control, let me close this in prayer. Father, 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 as I sensed at the beginning tonight, a lot of things were going to start to click. A lot of things were starting to make a whole lot more sense when we really start to take a look at this passage. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, forgive us pastors as well, because some people sure like having their name on the sign. Some like having their name on the bus. Others like the fact that that church is known as that's Brother So-and-So's church. And Father, all along, this passage has said that we're not supposed to be doing the work, but be equipping the workers to do the work. And we're supposed to be helping them get to grow up into you. And Lord, so many other issues have all come out because we've expected one man to be all for or we've expected them to do the work of the ministry and all these. And it's never going to work. And then we keep thinking, well, the next guy, he'll do a better job. And Lord, how many pastors' families have suffered over the years because of this wrong conception? Because of the fact that everybody has a different thing they would like that man to be and they all put it together and expect him to be that. And because of that, men have tried to be those things and they've neglected their families and they've neglected their wife and they've neglected their kids. And they've, in their exhaustion, turned into sin and pornography and who knows whatever else is going on. Father, please get this message out either through the book or through this, the, the, the recordings and the word being spread of others as well. Lord, may our pastors be set free to be what it is that you've called them to be. And I know you've put in the body what the body needs. Your word says that. And may we individually in each of our churches stop trying to be like every other church and begin to say, Lord, what are the gifts we have? If you've given and put them in the bodies you see fit, what are the gifts we have? And begin to show us what our ministry is supposed to look like. And if it doesn't match up with the one down the street, so what? May we be happy doing what it is you've called and gifted us to do. And Lord, my prayer is for everyone listening, not just online, but also the folks that are here tonight. May you set them free as well as they set their pastors free. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.